Hello and welcome to Raise a Glass, the podcast where we talk about the stories and storytellers that shape us. My name is Eric Lintola. And I am Hunter Danson. And we are so glad that you, dear listener, are joining us today for our episode on God's Not Dead. Mm. Uh, We've got a lot of things to bring your way. Hopefully some of them are newer uh, (laughs) instead of just recycled things that other people have said. Uh, But of course, before we get into that, Hunter, I got to know, what's in your glass? Well, I have a Zarita freeze and squeeze lime margarita. Um, Ooh. I'm going to read the directions because they made me chuckle. Recommend that you freeze six to eight hours to serve massage pouch and squeeze into a glass or right into your mouth. <laughs> Do not microwave. <laughs> so I, I actually I squeezed it into a glass. I did not okay. squeeze it directly into my mouth. Um, I'm envisioning like whip topping right now. How is it? It's all right. Wish I had some salt to put on. Oh, I do. I should have gotten salt. You're okay. You've got to have salt. You're in America. We put salt in everything. Yeah. It's like the only spice that we use in this country. (laughs) Maybe a little dollop of pepper and a dash of pepper and like a mound of salt and sugar. Mm hmm. I might have to go grab the. the How does it relate to the um, frozen margaritas at um, in the village associated with the college that shall not be named? Oh, because those things are good. Oh yeah, those are good. This is not that good. Um, Okay, it's sugary. Mm. I mean, it tastes like a lime margarita. So okay, you know. For like three bucks, you, yeah, you got a lime margarita at home. Did you massage it or did you just scrape squeeze? I did massage it, but okay. I mostly just kind of let it melt a little bit because it was mm. really cold. I'm not sure. Like, it, I guess if you're really hashtag thirsty, like, because your your fingers would get really frozen. If you're freezing, if you're squeezing it directly into your mouth. <laughs> so like, I, I feel like, you know, waiting a couple minutes and then uh, getting it in the glass is better. But, uh, okay. Hmm. Uh, sorry. What, what's in your glass, Eric? Hunter, today I come from the other side of the pond. And by that, I do not mean from the UK. That was very confusing. I just meant that you went with an alcohol beverage, and I went with whole milk. Oh, nice. Very wholesome. And a banana. Oh. I remember one of my favorite like bedtime things growing up was um, milk that was warmed up with um, bananas mashed into it. It was one of my favorite things to eat like late at night. Oh. I was like a, what, a five-year-old, seven-year-old, probably 10, too. All right. Mm. Not a banana guy. You you got a face. Going. Well, I I like bananas, but I've never heard of mashing bananas into warm milk. See, many people have told me that, 
and they give me the same face you gave, which was like, mm. <laughs> um, don't don't bash it until you try it. That's what I gotta okay. say. Put a little peanut okay. butter in there, and you pretty much have a milkshake. Mm. So that's yeah. my cat. He's agreeing. Um, Hunter, what are you raising one up for and pouring one out for this week? Well, uh, I am raising a glass to my sister who graduated high school this past week. Yay. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> yeah. I don't who know if that a, will translate. needs an applause track yeah. on your fancy yeah. podcast? You have Eric. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I, I am I am pouring one out um, for COVID because uh, my family all had COVID um, uh. right when my sister was graduating. So uh, we were going to go visit them, and you know I, I ended up just going wearing a mask uh, to see my sister graduate and, and everything, but. Uh, you know, it's COVID is still still going, still mm-hmm. ruining plans and, and doing worse than that as well. So, yep. Pour one out. How about you? I am raising a glass to um, berry patches. So we went, we've gone strawberry picking a couple of times in the last two weeks because it's strawberry season. Um, and my son loves it. Mm. Uh, I'm pretty sure the first time we went strawberry picking in the course of an hour, he ate a quart of strawberries. He was just like, run wow. to Nana, eat a strawberry or two or three or four, and then run to mommy down the same patch and eat one or two, and then run to me, eat one or two, mm. and then run run back to Nana, just like in a straight line back and forth. And... <laughs> The place we went to, they weigh your basket or whatever before and then afterwards, and then they pay you pay for the increased weight of the of the strawberries. Mm-hmm. And I'm just grateful that they didn't weigh my son before and after. <laughs> <laughs> we might have had to pay a lot more uh, <laughs> at that point. Um, so definitely raising a glass to that, um, yeah. and I am pouring one out for. Um, I don't know what the right wording is for the length of time it takes for things to be put together. Um, so for I I've learned, so for my birthday and father's day, which are not anywhere near each other, but combined, they provide maybe a financial ability within our household. Um, I am getting a flat top grill. Oh, okay. Um, and I am, so excited like breakfast and lunch and fried rice and burgers and i'm going to try the the green chili tortilla burger at some point which was the best the best dinner at the diner oh okay um, at <clears throat> anyways um but um the the gift was ordered to be assembled like it was that it was going to be assembled and then brought here and it was supposed to be brought here last Wednesday, and we're still mm-hmm. waiting for it to be assembled. 
and delivered because uh, the person who was a, the third party organization that was assembling it, that person was on vacation. Oh, okay. And they didn't have anybody else to Home Depot. Lowe's didn't have anybody else to <laughs> assemble <laughs> Lowe's grills. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm very salty about it. Um, yeah. Maybe you can take some of my saltiness and use it for your margarita. I didn't know they required that much assembly. Uh. Okay. I've got the grill mat. I've got everything already ready for it. <laughs> like, I am very, very, very <laughs> excited. Um, I've, like, planned out my inaugural meal. is going to be a breakfast, of course. Um, and I, I saw recently somebody like using one of those things and, and making bacon on it and then squirting pancake mixture over the bacon. Mm-hmm. So you have like French toast sticks of pancakes with bacon inside of them. Wow. That you then dip in syrup. And that to me sounds incredible. Hmm. Like where has this been my entire life? Hmm. All right. That's what I got. All right. Thank you. So Hunter, I um, have already uh, worked out a little bit of my summary of this movie. <laughs> okay. uh, I described it to a coworker, a couple of coworkers earlier today. Um, and mm-hmm. so I'm more than willing to take a crack at it unless you oh. really wanted to be the no, summarizer. I was going to ask you uh, to do it. Um, well, I go grab some salt. Not that I'm going to okay. need a whole lot of salt because of how I feel about this movie, but, uh, I'll, I'll be right back. <laughs> That's my sweet friend, Hunter, uh, signing off for the moment to go get some margaritas while he does. That, let me walk you through a very in-depth and very overwhelming, uh, synopsis of God's not dead. So God's Not Dead is a story about a freshman in college named Joss Whedon who goes to this school and joins a philosophy 101 type course so he can get his pre-law degree. In the very first day in the course, the professor um, makes every student in the class sign the sign, write the statement God's dead and then sign their name so that way they can move past the, the whole conversation of you know the philosophy of whether God is real or not. Well, everybody but Josh, Josh, Josh Whedon, um, signs this paper, and the the my primary character chooses not to, and because of that, the professor, who is just an angry guy throughout this whole thing, um, forces this college freshman to debate with him over the course of three 20-minute lectures, which is like no time at all, about the existence of God starting the following week. Uh, that is like the primary story arc that's happening, of, is this debating back and forth. While that is happening, um, Josh's girlfriend, uh, who's been his girlfriend since high school, um, decides to break up with him. Because he's spending too much time in their first two weeks in in college, working. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
studying. <laughs> yeah, um, we could go into that that line deeper. Um, simultaneously, this movie decides to tell what, three or, three or four other stories, bringing in the most caricatured versions and overly simplified and tense and of other faith stories, which might be true. I'm sure there's 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 truth to many of them, um, but are very intense. For example, one story is the story of a girl who's from a Muslim family who is a Christian, and when her dad finds out, physically attacks her, abuses her. Um, one is of the girlfriend and throws her out of the house and throws her out of the house. Yes, uh, one is of the girlfriend of the professor who. They started dating when she was a college student, mm. and he was her professor, but she says they're, quote, unequally yoked. Because she's um, a Christian. 15 years, I feel like eight years ago into this relationship. <laughs> right. Hopefully very long into this relationship, because it feels like the, the age gap would be really problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, another storyline is the chaplain at this school, who is doing very little in his mind. Um, welcomes back his friend who's in the trenches uh, as an African missionary in Africa, whose whole goal is to see Mickey Mouse um, and go to Florida, the Disney World. And, and well, we'll come back to their story in a moment. Um, and the other storyline is this woman who is going, like this, this reporter, whose whole goal is to like surprise famous Christians, it seems like, and to get them to uh, show off that their faith is fake. Like she, she runs a blog, something called like the new left or something like that. Yeah. She's like an animal rights activist blogger. And so she, her first group that she takes on is the duck dynasty guy and his wife for killing mm-hmm. ducks. Um, and then she finds out she has cancer, but she's working too. She's, she's too important to have cancer. Um, and her boyfriend, who is another character that we don't care about, but has his own storyline, um, said when he finds out she has cancer said, well, that was fun. We're done now. Um, because he is a important person in a wall street type like job with a mother who has Alzheimer's Alzheimer's. And at one point he goes to visit her. Everybody in this movie is angry at God. Everybody, absolutely everybody. Um, or they're defending God. like, Or it's their job to defend God from angry people. Um, and the guy who's going to his mom with Alzheimer's like, gives this angry statement to her. Like, and you don't even remember, but you're the most loving person I've, I know. And I'm the meanest person I know. And why is this happening even though you love God? And the mother goes on like a two or three minute statement about like, responding and touching all these deep points and then says, wait, who are you? And, mm. and it's like, I guess that could happen. Uh, there's a lot of, I guess that could happen type moments. And the entire movie ends at a newsboys concert where this animal rights, the new left person goes and tries to uh, like ambush report the newsboys. And they end up like praying over her. And she like, it's assumed that she's going to accept Jesus into her life. Um and be okay. Um, and then the professor, the angry professor who has quote unquote law. Lo- oh, we've got the whole stu- the student. There's a student from China 
who's hers who's in the philosophy class who decides to accept Jesus into his life because this primary yes. character Josh Whedon has defended Jesus without using the Bible. Um yeah. and and his father like disowns him too. Get the get the feeling of that. Yeah, that he honest. angrily turns off the phone when he gets yes. a text from Martin. Yes. Um and then so they're all on the way to this this newsboys concert. They're all, they're all at the concert. Um and then the angry professor who realizes he's just angry at God because um his mom died when he was twelve. Um like 50 years beforehand. Uh, mm. It's like walking slash running to the, or walking to the concert. It starts raining. The chaplain and his African missionary friend who have now had the same vehicle, not work for them twice. And on the third try are able to get their car working so they can, the rental car so they can go to <laughs> Disney um, end up at an intersection in the rain where this angry professor walks legally crosswalk and he gets hit in a hit by hit and run and mm-hmm. bleeds out to death while the newsboys concerts going on which is where he was going so he could like reunite with his girlfriend to apologize and before he dies the college chaplain uh gets him to accept jesus into his life and then the african missionary says well this was a good day I mean, minus the sad thing, but it's a good thing. This man and just bled then, out on the pavement, but think of the rejoicing in heaven. Yes. Uh, Weedwell, the God's Not Dead song is playing in the background um, with the guy from Duck Dynasty um, calling out that some guy, you know, I've heard heard of like, you know, somebody, you know, there's some things happening at the college. And this brave young freshman yeah, defending God, God. Defending God. Defending God's honor. Now, I want all of you to get out your phone and um, type God's not dead to all of your contacts. That's like 10,000 people here, and there's 100 people on each people's phone. So that's like a million people that will know that God's not dead. Um, and then the movie ends. Yeah. And it tells the audience to text everyone they know. Yes. <clears throat> I was just looking to see if I had that in my phone from... <laughs> when we went and saw it. So that's my short um, synopsis, synopsis of this, this movie. Probably showed too much of my, my hand. Um, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Do you want some of my salt? <laughs> no, no. I think, uh, I think I probably need something sweeter. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, where do you want to start? We, we saw this. Why are we doing this movie? Yeah, so this movie, what we saw it for, it came out in 2014. Yeah, um, we were in, in college, <laughs> and in the most college Christian like thing you could ever do uh, at our non Christian college, the one and only movie that all of the Christian fellowship decided to go to watch together was this one, mm-hmm. um, because this movie was dedicated towards like Christian organizations on campuses that had been undergoing lawsuits at that time and since the the 20 beginning of the 21st century um and so we went and watched it um i'm hoping we that, that, that at least the two of us went ironically um but probably not no um, i don't think so and 
you've heard on this on this this podcast many times the the challenges and tensions Hunter and I feel around Christian art and storytelling versus art and storytelling, and how we often feel like there's a difference in quality and in like creativity. Um, and so there's some pieces of that that are are part of the reason I at least I wanted to talk about this and our shared history with it. Also, though, Newsboys is like my favorite band, <laughs> and like and was growing up for a long time. So like I I also I I, sh- I sounded pretty negative throughout this this uh, summary of this of this movie, and yet I still feel mixed emotions about this movie um, because of the way that. You know some of the storytelling decisions they do make, and the stories they do tell, and how they tell, and it's it's. I feel some tension, um, and, but but those are a couple ways that I've just been shaped by, you know, somewhat this movie, but also the band that the the movie is like song main song is based off of, or the title of the movie is based off of. Mm-hmm. How about you, Hunter? Why are we talking uh, about this? Uh, <clears throat> I I feel like it's a good. Uh, a good way into the conversation about like Christian art uh, and the disappointments <laughs> that I the the disappointment that I often feel with a lot of uh, contempt, especially most often is contemporary Christian art um, because I I wouldn't put it in terms of quality, I would put it in terms of the goals of Mm. quote unquote Christian art, because a lot of the time I feel like the movie or the song or the book, whatever it is, um, is a means to an end. Uh, and this movie is a great example of, uh, contriving circumstances and characters in order to say something that whoever was making the movie wanted to say. Um, Whereas I value art for art's sake uh, and art as an extension of a person and, um, you know, a person expressing their soul um, or their heart for something or whatever it is. And, And it's not that I don't think that, like, it's bad to make art to try and do something as a means to an end. But I I feel like unless you really know what you're doing, like, uh, unless you're really good at satire um, or because satire is kind of like that, like, you know, the satirist is not telling the story to tell the story. He's telling the story to make fun of or point out the flaws in something else that's going on. Um, So it's just that I think unless, unless you really know what you're doing, like you just end up making bad art or art that is hollow, um, like by itself. But that's all stuff that's not exactly the movie. Um, 
I don't know. It's it's interesting because like I it's hard for me to remember what my first reaction was. I I think mm-hmm. I texted some people. Um God's not dead. God's not dead, yes. God's not dead. Um and it started a revolution. It it really didn't, but um it's not a catastrophically bad movie. Like that's the thing is like you, you yeah, have a movie like the this actual quality you, of the movie is pretty good. I, I said quality, but like the quality of the, it's really well. It's competent. It's very, yeah. And it's nice to look at, you know, and there were yeah. parts that got me emotional. Like, cause and the, like, was, the acting is pretty good. Like I looked her up, Trisha Lafash. I, I don't know if I pronounced it right, but she plays the um, animal rights activist blogger person. Um, and while her character is incredibly stereotyped and one dimensional, like her performance is actually kind of amazing. Like just what her, the way that she is able to express her emotion with her face, like just her face on the screen, Mm. she does so much. Like you can tell that that is someone who is, you know, just got diagnosed with cancer and feels like they're going to die. Um, and and the other actors also did really. I really liked the guy who played the college chaplain, the non Kevin Costner character. That <laughs> it kind of just felt like I was Kevin Costner. Um, and and the the missionary, like I really enjoyed both of their characters. Oh, yeah. And like, and the I, you're right. I, I actually even thought I thought everybody actually did a pretty good job in this movie, um, and including Josh Whedon. Is it Josh? Josh? I can't say this without thinking about. It. No, it's Josh Wheaton. Yeah, pretty sure. Okay, um, Hunter. One of the things I was thinking about when you were talking about when you were talking was a statement from one of our previous episodes. It was neither of us were the ones that said this, and so I'm gonna misquote it. Um, but it's the idea that let stories. And storytellers tell stories and let preachers preach. Hmm. Um, but you feel it and it feels wrong when a story starts preaching. Right. And and I felt like there was a lot of preaching at that happened in this. And and I think that was a that that's a real challenge I have. Um and and it's I mean it's not just Christian mu- movies that do this, Christian art that does this, other things do it. I think we just both feel it stronger or more strongly because we have so much invested in this. Mm. And like, this isn't the type of movie that I would encourage a non-Christian friend, not even a Christian friend, but like definitely not a non-Christian friend to watch. Yeah. And yet it feels like it's aimed at non-Christians. It feels like it's trying to be aimed at non-Christians. It's trying to, but... But like that's that's a, that's the reality. It's like if there were some change, things that change as a way of like saying like, hey, let's let's make aim this at Christians and let it be a Christian movie that is you know geared towards this Christian audience. Um, that is a different thing altogether. Um, I'm, I'm looking up a, a movie right now um, that that I re- I watched a couple years ago. That I, or a year ago that I thought was hilarious. A Week Away. Have you seen A Week Away? It's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I, certain parts of it are actually really fun. 
Um, and it's about a week away at a camp called a week away or a week away. <laughs> um, and it is full of 1990s nostalgic, like remixed Christian mm-hmm. songs uh, sung at this Christian camp with like the main character is non-Christian, just going right. through a hard time in life. But it's, it's a really fun movie and it's solely <laughs> aimed at Christians <laughs> and it feels just very different. Like I, I watched it with my wife and we just had a blast and like, I wanted to rewatch it. And, mm-hmm. and yet this movie, like it, it leaves me with, I guess a bitter taste because it's communicating things about our faith. Um, one of the cha- most challenging for me is this, like um, this finish line based view of, of Christianity that I just, I, I no longer want to be, and I don't think they should be the primary narrative in Christianity. I don't think they are. Um, but like this idea that in Christianity, the goal is to get somebody to say yes to Jesus. And once you have managed to get somebody else to say yes to Jesus, like you should go on to the next person and get them to say yes to Jesus. And it's a finish line faith um, that is saying the entire goal of this world is to gain admission to the next rather than a faith that says, Hey, we believe that Christ has already redeemed, came and saved the world and is going to ultimately redeem it. Um, like this already and not yet. Mm-hmm. Um, which thinks about faith as a journey and this idea that our faith should impact continually the way we live and that, Christianity is not a faith that is solely focused on saying yes to Jesus. It's a faith that's focused on walking with Jesus and behind and then alongside from before you've ever know who Jesus is until 80 years after you've been walking with him. And, and the, the, the celebratory nature of a character saying yes to Jesus right before he dies, which I think is a good thing. Like I'm encouraged mm-hmm. by that. And like, like this idea of like, like the, the, the chaplain says, I think there's a mercy that's being shown right now that you didn't die immediately. And you get the second, you know, another chance to like have a relationship with Christ. There's something about that. That's beautiful to me. Mm-hmm. Like it really is. And like, that's also probably what I would hope that part of what I would do in that situation while I'm also trying to stop the bleeding. Right. Um, but it's also not – that's not the, the – the goal in life isn't to live whatever life you want to and then say yes to Jesus at the end. Mm-hmm. That's not the beauty of our, of our faith. The beauty of our faith is that we get to walk with Christ through the Holy Spirit and fail time and time again and get back up, be lifted back up. And keep going. And we are never the ones that actually, it's not our jobs to get somebody else to say yes to, to Jesus. Because guess what? We can't. It's, and it's the spirit. It's God working in that person's life. And if we're the ones that get somebody to say yes to Jesus, then they don't have a faith in Jesus. They have a faith in us. And we will fail them. Yeah. It's a s- small thought that I had. <laughs> Here's here's my proposal. What uh we'll try and say some good things about the movie and then 
transition to, you know, the, our problems, the biggest problems with it, which I think we've already started on, but, um, see, Andre, I don't know if we can do that because I think there's tied into each other. Maybe you can, we can share some of the good things, but like, like even what I just shared, it's like my biggest frustration. And yet I see the beauty in that moment. And like, I was on the edge of tears, even though I'd seen this before and like knew what was going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. Like I still see the beauty in it. And like, and, and God's not, I really enjoy the song. God's not dead personally. And like I we said, this was one church. of my favorite. <laughs> it's, I, I, I have the, um, I have the entire, I mean, it's not just the album of it, um, but like the physical, like score of it, the entire album, the score of the entire mm. album <laughs> somewhere in my house. Yeah. Did you recognize the intro I sent you? Uh, not immediately, but I also listened to it before I was like thinking God's not dead. Yeah. I've got to listen to it again, but I'm excited to, I'm excited to add my, 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 my baseline to that. I'll try to yeah. do that today. Yeah. So listeners will be able to, uh, even if they have never seen the movie or listened to the new boy news boys, get a taste of, uh, God's not dead. Are we going to do us? Are you singing in it or is it just no singing? Just instrumental. I, I didn't feel like singing it. That's uh, good. God's not dead. He's, <laughs> he's living on the inside. Rolling like a lion. God's not dead. He's yeah, it's it's a it's a fun song. I guess it's weird. I went and watched mm-hmm. the music video. Um, I just didn't feel comfortable like singing it just because of the context that they. They're singing. Like, are they in, in Haiti? They're in Haiti in that. I have no idea where they are. Uh, it's all over, I think. And and he like, I think it's the lead singer. Uh, he's Michael sees, Tate. Yeah, he sees uh, like a newspaper that someone has, or oh yeah, and it says God's dead or something. And he's like, I don't know about. That. He makes a face. I don't know about that. And uh, then they start the song and like start a concert that people keep coming to and like people are texting each other that God's not dead. And it's like, God's not dead. It's so weird. I love Michael Tate. Michael Tate was one of Michael Tate, uh, Toby Mac and the other guy who can never remember his name. Um, were the three members of DC talk, um, which I think is one of the best Christian bands that has ever existed. Like actually like in its time was impacting all music, not just Christian music, which says a lot. I mean, in cause you know, Christian music has always been a subgenre. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and then when he, then he joined Newsboys, which at that point made them news talk in my, in my mind or the DC boys, um, which is kind of funny. Cause I think Michael Tate's from Washington, DC. So maybe I should call them DC boys. Um, that's combining newsboys and DC talk, obviously. Yeah. I got us way off track from what yeah, you I don't know where we're about going. as far as po- positive. <laughs> what are th- some of the things you wanted to say, Hunter, as far as like things you enjoyed in this movie? It uh, seemed like that's where you wanted to go. I don't think enjoy is the right word. I would say that there are elements that I think aren't bad. Like I can't remember if I said this or not. Like it's not a catastrophically bad movie. It's you're going to share things right now that you feel neutral about. That's what yeah, you just said. it's it's more about like like my main problem 
with this movie and what it does is that it's not about what it the bad things that it does it's it's just about what it misses what it's not doing what it's not worshiping or following um <clears throat> or trying to say and but so some some decent elements that i think are the i guess the meat of like the creationist arguments aren't too bad like there's they're decent arguments um and i guess that's but the problem is it's also tied to one of the bad things about this movie is that it creates this false dichotomy between religion and Uh, science um mm, let's talk about some god of the gaps theory a little bit later okay um but (laughs) you know like because the whole premise is you know he has to defend God in the classroom. So he starts with like creation uh, and talks about evolution and shows how that it's not really, you know, like evolution doesn't really disprove the Bible. Um, It doesn't prove it either, but uh, it, it's not like in conflict. It doesn't, you know, God's quote unquote, not dead. Um, and so, you know, the mean of those arguments are I thought were fairly decent. Um you know, there's some good acting. I mentioned Trisha Lafash and she was good. Um also I'm not sure if this was intentionally good or not. I thought the uh Kara, who who's the name of his girlfriend, um, that whole subplot was like a f- pretty decent idea. Like it had some nuance and this thing is, I'm not sure if it's intentional or not because some of the time you watch the scenes and her lines are just like, there's like no chemistry. (laughs) Um, Some of the things that like she has to say, I think are just impossible. Um, Like, like she has to say, I'm not sure if there's words to describe the, the emotions that I'm feeling right now. Um, like you just cannot deliver that line naturally. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't think, uh, but, uh, like the whole, the, I, I think the idea behind it of like somebody believing that they are doing God's will, when in fact they're doing their own, uh, is, is a sort of, it's an idea. It's not executed particularly well. Um, so you're saying that her character believes that God's will is for she for, her, she believes that God's will is for Josh and her. She says that she has their life planned out for fifty that, years, like for like fifty years or whatever. Like this is God's plan for her life and Josh's life, and um, you know Josh is putting that plan in jeopardy by risking his grades uh, in his first year of college and in like the first weeks of college in this class. And I'm not saying that the, what is constructed around the idea is particularly good, but just the idea of somebody, because, you know, speaking from experience, it is very easy to trick yourself into thinking that you are hearing the Holy Spirit. If you want to do something, if you really, really want something, um, and not even if, like, even if you're a non-Christian, like, if you 
really, really want something, it's just really easy to justify it. And in in Christianity and faith, you can yes. maybe trick yourself into thinking that, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit is telling you to do whatever, or saying that it's okay, or mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> or you could interpret Scripture a certain way um, in order to get what you want. Uh, and that's what her character is kind of doing, um, which I thought was like, that's fine. Uh, it's not bad. You read a lot into that really small subplot, but yeah. The the other thing is there's also like a fair amount of decent quotes. They're not used in the particularly good context, but there's like C.S. Lewis, Shakespeare, um, Lee Strobel, Lee Strobel, uh, Stephen Hawking, <laughs> um. Stephen Hawking in like different contexts, uh, you know, mm-hmm. not just one. And, Dostoevsky. Uh, I, I don't know if there's Dostoevsky. There is. There is. Yep. Where? That's where he says, in uh, Ivan Karamazov, the brothers Karamazov says, "If God is dead, then all is permitted." That's like one of the big arguments that oh. he leans into. Guess I missed that. Like in the end, like against um, the professor. Oh, okay. I guess I missed that one. It's a good book. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that you you kind of hit the point, a good point of it's maybe not exactly what this movie does; it's what it doesn't do. That are some of the things that make you frustrated. Yeah. Um, both of us ended up at a non, very much non-Christian college in uh, one of the most explicit Christian groups on the campus. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, who knows if anybody knew that we existed, but um, <laughs> and we're in spaces pretty regularly with non-Christian professors and non-Christian classmates who are having conversations around challenging. Pieces. I know you were in a class, I think your first semester, right? I was in a class, my first semester, philosophy class called Contemporary Moral Issues. So we we talked about abortion and pornography and animal rights and um, contemporary moral issues. And um, Professor was not religious. He was not a Christian. Um, his sort of, he, he did a sort of like weird summary at one of the first classes of like kind of different philosophical ideas, you know, like utilitarianism and some other stuff. And he mentioned like Catholicism slash Christianity or Protestantism as kind of like get your hiney into heaven. Um, and which I almost said something, but I'm not that kind of, I'm not a brave young freshman like Josh Wheaton. And, and the thing <laughs> is, like, this this is an awful professor. I have no idea how this There's professor no still has There's no way that this professor job. should still have a job. This he entire, started yeah. dating one of his students <laughs> after her midterm. Yeah, and he, like, straight up bullies his class, his, his students. Like, and it's known across the campus. Yeah. And, and then like, he celebrates it to the other faculty. Yeah. 
like this is totally unrealistic. This whole movie, this is probably my biggest issue is this whole movie is a straw man, um, which I you've probably heard of the logical fallacy, the straw man argument where you build a man of straw in order to tear him down. Um, and this professor is is a straw man. He is um, totally unrealistic. He and vehemently against God. It's the whole thing is just a contrivance, just so that the writers of this movie can get some Christian arguments into a culture that they feel isn't hearing them. Um, but it's really just ends up One being of- an echo chamber. So they call him an anti-theist theist at the end, which is accurate. Like his goal yeah. is to make people like not Christians, non-Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the pieces though that I really liked in their decision with this professor is they kind of boiled it down to like the problem he had with Christianity had nothing to do with Christianity. Yeah. It had to do with his personal experience and his pain. And that is very common. And in fact, I feel like that's the most common reason why people stop being like move away from faith is some type of personal hurt almost always by somebody who claims to be a Christian um, or is a Christian or a, a pastoral or parent like leader somehow in their life mm-hmm. who hurts them. Um, and in this case, this you know this character it was it was not somebody that hurt him. It was it was his mother dying and God not protecting her, yeah, in the way that that he wanted you know in keeping her alive. And and I feel like that is actually pretty accurate in many stories. This personal pain that is at the center of what is hidden. Like of a of a theological or or cultural yeah. or personal decision, and so I I think that I I appreciated that they kind of boiled it down to that piece. I I think yes, he was definitely a straw man, and he's also a person. They they did a, they did show that. Yeah, like that's the thing is like you can't even say like. Like, you can't say, oh, this is, movie is so terribly bad, like none of the characters have. You can't say that they have absolutely no dimension to them. Um, because, like, they sort of do give him a backstory, and the actor does a good enough job um, with what he's given. So it's, like, not catastrophically bad, but it's just totally kind of just shooting at the wrong target, in my opinion. Um Maybe we could talk about Nietzsche's quote. Sure. Um, are you familiar with this quote? Do you know any of the context or the? I am. We'll just say I'm not familiar enough to give any type of helpful information. So consider me a learner. Okay, so I'm going to do my best here. Um, the quote is: "God is dead." Gott ist tot, which I don't know if I pronounced that German correctly. And it first appeared in the beginning of book three of The Gay Science in 1882. 
Um, and it's pretty weird. Like this, basically this madman comes yelling into this market saying that God is dead and we have killed him. All of us are his murderers. Um, but how, um, you know, who gave us the sponge to wipe away the entire horizon? God is dead. God remains dead and we have killed him. Um, and he also mentions it in Thus Spoke Zarathustra, which is later on. But from what I can tell in the reading I did, this the statement is not in the way it's been interpreted because like the quotes aren't really my mind they're really not very clear it's really not clear what nietzsche is actually talking about but it seems like the way that they've been interpreted and what nietzsche is really concerned with is the idea of god as a basis for a just society is dead like in nietzsche's time prior to nietzsche's time god was a foundation of society the church was a foundation of justice, of the law, like the actual law. Um, and the, the foundations that they used, the arguments people used in court, what people used to justify their actions or not justify them, um, that, you know, was like a foundation of society. And Nietzsche was scared because he was realizing that that foundation was kind of crumbling, like the church was losing that sort of legal moral authority um so it's not really an atheistic statement it's more like a cultural statement even though i mean nietzsche i guess he was an atheist or like atheist agnostic or something but um it's it's more of like a historical statement about how history is changing in that you know, here we are in 2023 and, and saying like, you shouldn't, you should wear a mask because, um, God said you should is not a valid argument. Really. It's, it's not going to make anyone listen to you. Is that helpful? I don't know. <laughs> I could keep going, but I don't want to like. <laughs> One of the things that I I think you bring often to conversation hunter is more of like the, the backstory and helping us think kind of more fully around not just the zoomed in picture we're seeing, mm -hmm. seeing, but like opening it up and it's, and so yes, it's helpful in that like you're kind of opening the widening the lens. I think that for the kind of the goal of our podcast, diving deeper into it is probably not going to be helpful. Um, because right. it's maybe not as much about how it's shaped us as about this is the rabbit rabbit hole we're really interested in, <laughs> which you know, we do go down a lot of rabbit holes. Uh, well, I this, feel like I can get podcast. there. How it shaped us. If I can try in five minutes <laughs> to get us there. Um, five minutes or less. So if the state, if Nietzsche's statement, God is dead is about go the belief in God as a foundation for a just society. Nietzsche's concern is about those that foundation crumbling, 
not necessarily God being dead, but the belief in him being dead. And this is that is exactly what this movie is concerned with. This movie uh, lists the court cases at the end of the credits. This movie uh, has stereo has has characters who are like an amalgamation of YouTube comments and and Twitter posts of like liberal Twitter posts and things uh, as characters that re- represent left quote unquote leftist or atheist ideals um, and puts them on the screen so that Christians can tear them down uh, and, and rip out all of the straw in their stomachs. Um, And I think this movie, it hit me at a point in my life where I was starting to realize that I was I was starting to struggle with what I saw cultural Christianity doing and what I felt mm. Jesus was calling me to do what Jesus was calling his followers to actually do and the tension was what cultural Christianity was doing and what I felt that Jesus was calling his followers, calling his followers to do in Scripture, were different. They were going different ways and focusing on different things, because this movie focuses, if anything, it focuses on politics. Mm. This movie is about politics, and I guess they have in the third one. There's a third God's Not Dead called We the People, um, which I didn't really read the summary because. I didn't I didn't want to go down that rabbit hole. Um but I can only imagine like you know it goes to the White House or whatever and like if you just go and talk to non-Christians like in my philosophy class there were a lot of people that surprised me with their with what they thought about really contentious issues who who weren't Christians who you know were sort of pro-life or whatever. And it's, it's really, you cannot like in real life, very rarely are discussions black and white or right and wrong. It's, there's a lot of nuance. It's like any issue that you look into on the surface, it can seem, you know, one way or the other, but when you start researching it and going into it, it gets really confusing. And I mean, there are certain things that you stand on, but you have to interpret them in the context and and live them out. Hunter, maybe one of the things that is hitting both of us is that, and we've maybe touched on this already, but I'll try to put it out more plainly. Our experience at a college that pretty much this movie tries to represent as Overt Christians, overt white male, mm-hmm. middle class Christians, you know, in this space, like in a relatively intellectual space, like we felt undercurrents of this, but we never, mm-hmm. none of this ever would have fit. Um, and even at this very small, very liberal art, very non-Christian school or non-religious school, 
there were many Christian professors and people of faith, right. like just everywhere that were living their life and challenging assumptions and speaking academically and faithfully. Um, and, and that shades of gray, those shades of gray are spaces that both of us like look mm-hmm. for and probably thrive in to a certain extent. And that's not the case with all of our brothers and sisters, right? That's not the case with every, every person. Like both of us made the decision to not attend a Christian school. And where at least I currently stand is like, I have nothing against Christian schools. Like, I think they're actually really good for a lot of individuals. Mm-hmm. I know it's not good for me. I know that where my faith has grown has been when I've not been surrounded by other believers. And I also know that Christian schools aren't necessarily just full of Christians, you know? Right. Um, and, and I've got much more, you know, d- much deeper thoughts than that. But the idea that standing up for your faith always means picking an argument and being the only one and and somehow standing up on God's side like, like does God protecting need like, that, us that's to a problem his honor <laughs> no that doesn't um yeah. I, I'm just I I had the opportunity so let me talk about the God of the gaps okay. theory real quick. Cause I brought that up earlier and I probably should share it. This is just the premise that in a world where it's faith versus science, that faith is everything you can't explain and science is everything you can under this, this idea, which is something that a lot of American churches have pushed for a long time in the United States and other places as well around the world. Um, it means that God's continually getting smaller as we understand what the atom is. That means, Oh God isn't in the atom. As we understand more about how the universe came to be and how it's expanding. Oh, that that gap has been filled. Thus God is smaller. And this, the, the challenge with this whole idea is that there isn't, and nor, nor should there be, and as Christians, we shouldn't push for this. There should not be a dichotomy between faith and science. In fact, one of the, my perspective on it, the more we learn about science, the more we learn about God. Yeah. And it's not just the unmade maker, you know, question, um, which is, you know, a big part of this creation, you know, the idea for there being a God, but like, it's so much deeper than that. Like as we understand, not just like how the atom works and all the nuclear fusion and fission and, you know, all these mm-hmm. pieces, but as we, as we are introduced to more species of animals and plants, like we see God as yeah. we, you know, understand, like you know, we, we discover more, you know, forests and, and, and underground, you know, underwater streams, like, we understand more about how God has the world working as we understand gravity. Like, wow, this is really purposeful. Um, <laughs> Space like, what about God? Maybe God did that. Like, you know, um, and, and, and it's, it's, it's such a more robust uh, approach, I think. And, and it's one that doesn't 
doesn't set up an unnecessary fight that doesn't actually point anybody to Jesus. <laughs> yeah. It it's semantics. Like mm-hmm. high school me might have wanted to be Josh Wheaton. Maybe not high school, middle, middle school. Because uh, in middle school, I found a book on paradoxes. I read it on Wikipedia about logical fallacies. And I was like, yeah, this sentence is false. I'm a great debater. I know everything I need to know. Uh, and I would like debate people in YouTube comments. Um, oh, my goodness. I was a very reasonable and logical debater. I thought it was pretty good. Um, probably sounded a lot like Josh Wheaton with his amazing PowerPoints. Like, <laughs> I know that's a conceit of a movie. Like, I'll give it to the movie because it's a movie. So they have to make the PowerPoints like fun to watch. Uh, but man, like realistically, that kid has some like serious PowerPoint skills. <laughs> like, <laughs> Or maybe it's Prezi. I don't know. Um, but like, if if you know, I I could still I could still talk a lot about like evolution and creationism and all that kind of stuff. Um, and maybe maybe if we do like irresistible or something, we can get more into it. But ultimately, I really want to talk about that book. Yeah, ultimately. Um, if your faith is in creationist arguments or like clever asides or pointing out circular reasoning in Richard Dawkins or whatever, like then your, your faith is not in Christ. And that's the whole point of our faith is to follow Jesus. Our whole faith, you could believe whatever you want about gravity, the solar system, whatever. And if you, but if you believe in Jesus as the son of God who died and rose again, that's being a Christian, a little Christ. Um, And that's what I think this movie really misses. (laughs) It's about it's about everything else. It's about the cultural conversation, and it's about winning arguments with clever words. Um, well, at the 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 point at the end of the debate that Josh Whedon gets into with this professor is that is not that Christianity can defeat the argument for God could defeat every other argument. It's that it's ultimately up to people to choose Mm -hmm. that in the worst case scenario, there's an even playing field. Right. And it's up to the individual to say, Hey, do I want to have this relationship with God to impact my life? Um, and I think there's something really cool about that. Mm-hmm. Like they, they could have ended this straw man argument with there's no, there's irrefutable evidence that God exists. And thus 
period, the end. Yeah. But that's not where they decided to end it. Yeah. Which, like, again, you know, it's, like, not as bad as it could be. Um, Yeah, well, there's, this is the, the, there's really, there's subtle things that are working. Um, but it might not be as obvious. It's, mm, I don't like this way of saying it. It's, it's like somebody punching you in the face (laughs) and then you, but you know, on, as you're reflecting over the experience, like you notice their form. Like maybe I, if I use some of that form in the next time, like, you know, maybe if you tweak that, like it would, they'd be more effective. Mm. I don't, that's, that just came to my mind. That's probably, probably thought all sorts of better examples. It's like somebody punching a punching bag. <laughs> um, I wanted to bring up um, one of the experience, unique experiences I've had in my life is I was in a class once, uh, titled Towards Ecumenical Buddhism. Mm. Uh, it's asking this question of, if could there be ecumenical Buddhism, which we, ecumenical Christianity is bringing together people of different denominations of Christianity together. Um, in this class, I learned that there are multiple like sects, S-E-C-T-S, of Buddhism. And so it's this question uh, proposed and led by a Buddhist monk, like a pretty well-known Buddhist monk who was a visiting professor, of whether or not ecumenical Buddhism would be possible and like how to make that happen. Cause there's as many fights within Buddhism as there is within Christianity, it seems like, and right. probably any other faith. Um, and I took this class. I was there like nine people in the class and I was the only non Buddhist in the class. Wow. Um, and I had a couple of classmates who were monks another one who was like, not a nun, but kind of, mm. and like other people had converted from Christianity to Buddhism and wow, um, all different like sects of Buddhism and, and, and all knew a lot and I knew nothing going into this class. And, and I could, I, I, I learned a lot. Um, but one of the unique aspects of being the only you know, Christian in this space and a pretty vocal Christian at that in the it's I you know it's very purposeful I, I wear my cross out on top of my shirt and I honestly often forget it forget that I'm doing that um not that I would I don't choose to put it inside my shirt unless like I really think it's gonna hurt a situation um and that would be you know it's a very 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 common um but I was being asked questions by a group of Buddhists across their different denominations about Christianity and mm. like was like put up as, oh, you are the Christian thought in this room. Like <laughs> you need to answer for all Christians, which is not something I can do or should do. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody can do that. Um, but I can speak for myself and I can speak for, you know, the, the things I know and then, and, and, the way crisis impacted my life and the conversations I had were that there were conversations and discussions, maybe sometimes a debate, but very rarely Mm -hmm. we were drinking tea together and reading um, sutras 
and discussing, you know, is is a better example or combination is a better parallel that the Buddhist, the Buddha and Jesus, or the entire body of Buddhist writings in Jesus. Like, what is it that Buddhism focuses on? Well, many sects of Buddhism, it's not the Buddha. It's the writings of the Buddha mm. and like the Eightfold Path and like these other pieces. And like, what does Christianity focus on? Well, it's the word of God because it's focusing on Jesus. And so like without Jesus, there's no Christianity. Right. But without the Buddha, there's still Buddhism. Hmm. And so, uh, I, I've just, I've been in some pretty hostile environments, hostile academic environments. I've been in spaces where I've been the only Christian in this space. I've been in multiple, none as obvious as, as that particular one, but, mm-hmm. um, and I've never felt that level of animosity um, that yeah. is communicated in this in this movie, and and yet I know that there are cases where that happens. Yeah, and so this is one of the things that I just wrestle with. Like, it's not normal, and maybe if this movie was one of these stories that brought you into all the different dimensions of why this would be the case. Like, I think that it could do something really powerful. I think this movie actually loses a lot of, of its possible impact by telling too many stories. Mm. Um, you, if you take a bunch of these one dimensional characters and then, and, and get rid of them and add them up to like one three dimensional character, like that would be really interesting. Um, it almost felt like a like a love actually type thing, you know, where everybody has to, you know, meet each other at the end and <laughs> at the Newsboys concert. And yeah. except for the professor, because he gets <laughs> run over in a hit and run while they're worshiping Jesus. <laughs> I was. Is this the message that this movie is sending to atheists? We want to get. We want you to hit you with a car. <laughs> Also, why? <laughs> why, why, why was that necessary? I, I don't understand. So that it's was a, such an movie. aggressive. It had to but, be dramatic. But even then, like, it, it could have been dramatic if he, like, ran, like, found her in the middle of the concert. Like, that would have been true. equally, honestly, e- probably more dramatic for me. Like, because then you have a reconciled relationship that's already mm-hmm. been set up. Yeah. I just, I don't, and like, just let Pastor Dave and his friend go to Disney. The one part was kind of funny where uh, he asked his missionary friend to pray for the car. And uh, his friend is like, uh, dear God, please let this car work. And Pastor Dave is like, that's all you got? And he's like, do you have a better God, please make my car work prayer. <laughs> that was kind of funny. That um, was. He's like, no, no, no. We need to put our bags in the back of the car before we. Like, we need to show faith. No, yes. <laughs> yes. Also funny. Like, but it was funny because it was ironic and was like yeah. making a, like it was making a little jab at Christianity 
in a way that was appropriate in the way that a, a, a Christian comedian does, you know? Yeah. And, and like, there were enough little small elements, like, like the, the random car, car dude, like who right. was got, trying to go back to death of the salesman and, you know, and he's got an audition. He's part of, he's got an audition. Like if you focus in on one, I'll give you maybe two stories. You can tell a better story. I think this would have been a better story. And I don't think it would have lost any momentum. I think it would have gained it. Mm -hmm. Still thinking about how this movie has shaped me. It's honestly a space where we both have, I think we've made it pretty clear that this attending this movie, like we, where we are at now, you know, it might be different from where we were at then, mm-hmm. but like, it's kind of a trajectory thing. Yeah. We could have hit that and like moved towards the trajectory of a, of a Christianity that needs to respond to every cultural whim and to lean into this i this this finish line faith yeah um it, th- sorry um i was just thinking about the stakes because one of the quotes i actually ended up reading a book because of one of the quotes that they used which was a quote from cs lewis um which was only a real risk tests the reality of a belief um I looked it up and it was from a grief observed, which a grief observed is C.S. Lewis. It's, it's excerpts from his journal when his wife died. Wow. And it is C.S. Lewis, really the, probably the most unpolished that you have ever read C.S. Lewis. He obviously, most people will probably know Chronicles of Narnia um, Mm -hmm. or mere Christianity, but C.S. Lewis was an amazing philologist famously friends with Tolkien um and and we've talked about him before um but this is really a very different i hadn't read it yet i'd been planning to and i was just like i'm just going to read it it's very short uh, i found the quote it sort of works in the movie you know only a real risk tests the, the reality of belief on the face of it it's a real risk for josh to try and defend his face. He's risking his academic career and the 50 year plan of his girlfriend. Um, Yeah. But like the more I thought about it, the more I was like, is it really a risk for Josh in America from a middle, from a family that can afford to send him to go to a, to go to pre-law school, whatever he's is, is declared major is pre-law. Um, is it a real risk for him? Is it really? Because worst case scenario, he has to redo his freshman year and he's fine. He's not risking life and limb. He's not going to go to court. The professor might go to court, but <laughs> he's not going to go to court. Like the, this, it's not a real risk. And 
C.S. Lewis is writing about the death of his wife. Like those are stakes. Those are consequences. Those are a price to be paid. And if you think about like the price that Christians are paying now in places where Christianity, Christians are killed for their faith. Um, that th- that's a real risk. And, and so this is, uh, uh, you know, the term persecution complex, um, that I think American Christians can kind of have. And I, I wasn't too aware of it. I think when I watched the movie, but I was think I was starting to become aware of it where like, we, we feel like we're persecuted maybe because people say mean things on Twitter or whatever. Um, and it's not that there are, aren't more serious things that happen, but like generally if you're an American and you're in, you're in America and you're a Christian, like you're, you're pretty well off, like compared to other places of the world. Um, and so like, you know, is this, is this a real risk? And, and I don't, I don't think it is. Thanks. I didn't know the context of that. Yeah. I think the quick response argument that could be made is that for Josh, it feels like one then like you remember when we were in freshman in college, how every small thing felt like the biggest thing ever and how it was even more multiplied in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so it might be the biggest thing that he'd ever had run into at that point. Sure. And, and you're hitting a deeper point. Um, actually I have one of my friends, um, shared this with me. Um, he's not originally from the United States. Um, I was asking, Hey, like, what would you, this is, I asked him, I think a year ago, like, if you had the opportunity to speak to a white American church, Uh, what would you want to tell them? And his focus was like, Hey, like stop being afraid of persecution. Like mm. God's got your back. Like it's, it's like, I've experienced it. Like it's. It wasn't that was, it was easy or that it's not a big thing, but like, it's not something that we should be afraid of mm-hmm. um, and why is it that so many Christians so many of our brothers and sisters are facing pers- like what is it that they're running into that they're this causing them to face persecution throughout the world world well, from the, the voice of, of uh, uh, a pastor in my area it's like it's a hunger for the word of God mm-hmm. and for gathering with others to hear it and to celebrate it and to pray about it and to worship with it. And that's something this movie lacks mm. with a couple, like with a couple exceptions of like the, the, the name and number of a verse brought out loud. Right. Like this isn't, this isn't a movie that, equips Christians, you know, and challenges them with the word to just live that out more fully. It's, it's one that is the goal is to like give you some scientific and philosophical arguments so that you can 
stand up for Jesus in a scientific or philosophical debate. <laughs> and and the beauty of our faith is that even if we can't, like we just aren't equipped in that moment, like, it doesn't negate our faith. Mm. Like God is at work and it's scripture stands on its own feet. The best, the best voice for 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 the word of God is the word of God. <laughs> um, right. You know, and and the best thing we can do is point others to it, and to talk about how it's how the word of God, both in like you know various as like various pieces of the Old Testament, New Testament, but also in like the work of the Holy Spirit and in life of Jesus, especially and the growth of the church in that way that's impacted us. Those pieces are, are when it, when the dust settled in this debate with the professor. It was not about facts and figures, numbers, quotes, and statistics. It was about relationship and about stories, our personal stories, and. What is it that we have, each of us as followers of Christ and non-followers of Christ have as well? It's our stories. And we can share them. And we can share, you know, how God has worked in our lives. And we can know that there are defenses for these philosophical and scientific arguments. And you can find books that talk about them and find videos that show these debates. And you know you can learn about those things, but if your if your goal is to destroy other people, you know tear other people down, like that's not the people that Jesus did that with were the religious leaders of the day, the people that claimed to be the followers of of God. The other people he like loved and spoke the truth into. Hmm. and shared stories and built relationships with. And that's where we see people who follow Jesus become Jesus followers and then challenge others to follow. Hmm. Thank you for putting it that way. I have a I have a quote from later on in a grief observed um, that I think we could we could end on, and you know, like I said, this is C.S. Lewis's journal, and, and at this point in his life, he's feeling angry. He feels like he's seriously doubting. Not necessarily that God exists, but that, you know, he doesn't feel God's presence. He doesn't have love and assurance. He's really suffering in his grief. Um, so he goes on this kind of tangent where he's just like, this is what C.S. Lewis is amazing at is thought experiments. Like, have you read The Great Divorce? Um, 
Oh, I love I a great divorce. Um, but he he just, he takes an idea and he runs with it. He takes ideas that like a lot of Christians I think might find scary and runs with them and sees how far they go. But really, you, what you find when you do that a lot of the time is that you don't have to be scared of it. Um, and you mm. find out more deeply about God and his love and, and everything. And so he goes on this tangent about <laughs> the idea of a bad God, um, quote, through some sort of extreme Calvinism. Um, and, you know, like, you could say we are fallen and depraved. We are so depraved that our ideas of goodness count for nothing or worse than nothing. The very fact that we think something good is presumptive added evidence that it is really bad. Um, and he, he goes on this really long tangent. And I, from what I can tell, C.S. Lewis, I've, I heard a pastor once describe him as uh, so smart that he probably had four brains. Um, <laughs> and I mean, the whole idea is that like God is bad because we are, we think that God is bad because we are just so bad. Uh, and, and so that God goodness, goodness seems like badness to us. And then he says, and presumably what is a later entry, he says, why do I make room in my mind for such filth and nonsense? Do I hope that if feeling disguises itself as thought, I shall feel less? Aren't all these notes the senseless writhings of a man who won't accept the fact that there is nothing we can do with suffering except to suffer it? Who thinks that there is some device, if only he could find it, which will make pain not be pain? It doesn't really matter whether you grip the arms of the dentist's chair or let your hands lie in your lap. The drill drills on. And I feel like this movie is feeling disguised as thought. Because it was pretty popular. It grossed $9 million, um, which is a surprise. But presumably there were a lot of people feeling the pain of feeling like people are saying God is dead and, and culture or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think we felt that. We felt that, yeah. When we went there. Yeah. But like this, like you said, this movie doesn't have the word of God in it. This movie does nothing for the pain. Um, you know, it's, it's feeling disguised as thought. Um, but praise God that, uh, that's not what our faith relies on. Um, that his grace is sufficient. God's not dead. God's not dead. Go text your friends. <laughs> text us when you text uh, us, when you watch yeah. it when you listen to this one. Text <laughs> us. God's not dead. So we we know you've uh, you've listened, and and then you can share with us your entire ream of thoughts and and why uh, we're we're doing a good or a bad job here. Yeah. What we missed. What we should be adding. Whose voice is not involved that that we need to bring in. Yeah. I think C.S. Lewis 
didn't like the dentist because also later on he says he's British of course he didn't I like know, the dentist what do people British mean people. when they say I am not afraid of God because he is good have they never been to a dentist <laughs> I love the screw tape letters that's one of my favorite oh yeah, yeah. my dear world